You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Hanging out with the family over the holidays reminded me that, in fact, there are people out there who think about more than just climbing. Some, let's call them most of your relatives, even think that climbing is ridiculous. Though watching people inside of a giant dome try to demolish one another is a completely reasonable use of a precious weekend. Go figure. So just in case non-climbing activities have invaded your psyche too, but slumping on the couch is giving you a wedgie, remember that in addition to making the best rock climbing, ice climbing, and mountaineering boots on the planet, Sportiva also designs the fastest uphill ski gear around. We're talking cyborg-level tech on skis and boots to help you rage against gravity in a whole new way. And then there's Sportiva's trail runners, mid-level mountain boots, and hikers for the long approach to nowhere that suddenly seems like a good idea in the dark winter months when the balmy rock is unavailable, but a lot of delicious sweets are. So whether you're dreaming about climbing or just trying to go nowhere fast, think of Sportiva for all your mountain pursuits. Go to Sportiva.com or your local shop to be inspired to get up and go up. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place that side of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. Like I'll see. You really, really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is January 16th, 2023, about 9.30 here in Colorado, and this is episode 256 of the Enormacast, a conversation with climber, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, preneur, entrepreneur, <laughs> it's a weird word, Matt Siegel. Yeah, I've been talking to Matt for a long time about coming on the show. I've known Matt for a long time. But hey, let me ask you a question. How are you doing out there? It's 2023. It's the dark time, although we're headed towards the light. If you're a rock climber, most of North America, it's kind of been a little grim. If you're a skier, you're stoked, unless you're in the East Coast, up there in New England. Or if we're talking to European skiers, you're hating it. Anyhow, how are things going? 2023, you know, that, that, that excitement, that push, that glow of New Year's with the resolutions and all that stuff's worn off a little bit. It's time to check in again, see how everybody's doing. How are the resolutions coming? You staying fit? You doing your hangboarding? Isn't that what most of us, <laughs> isn't that what most climbers decide they're going to do is hangboard? Isn't that like the New Year's resolution? Either hangboard more or start using the hangboard that you got last year at this time. Maybe you've had it for years. Or maybe you've been eyeballing that molding above your door. 
Hopefully it's not all splintery. Maybe give it a little sand before you hit it. And let me tell you something else. Do not casually hang off the molding, the casing in other people's houses, maybe your relatives, maybe your friends, because um, you can tear it right off. I've done it. It's not a good look at a party just to rip your friend's door apart by casually hanging on something that the uh, builder just, you know, put a couple little brads in and that was all. No one's ever noticed how poorly it was put up there until you hung your ass off of it. Who knew that they had a little A4 boulder problem right there in their house? I did not end up on my ass, but it was still embarrassing. All right, advice dispensed. Now let's get to the interview with Matt Siegel. I have a question for you folks that pay attention. I think that Matt Siegel is very unique in that he was an early gym climber, an early competition climber, competition climber in um, the, the, the Sharma era, was a very excellent and accomplished competition climber, winning nationals, taking podium spots at World Cups, things like that. So a very successful competitive indoor climber, sport climber as well. But in his early 20s, he basically pulled the plug on all that and became a staunch Died in the wool, ground up trad climber, climbing hard, often scary, often very dangerous trad climbs for about the next 15 years. I think it was really unusual when it happened, which was uh, some time ago. And I think it remains really unusual. Maybe it's even more strange. Again, no trad climbing experience, very successful competition climber, just stops and then goes straight to hard and scary trad climbing. I can think of a couple. I mean, I don't know about the hard and scary part, though, because that makes this sort of unique. There's trad climbing, and then there's like specifically kind of head point and, you know, deliberately scary type of trad climbing, which is what Matt did for a very long time. Tommy Caldwell, he was a trad climber before he was ever a sport or indoor climber, so he doesn't really count. Nico Favras, Nico jumps to mind for sure. I don't know how into like deliberately scary stuff he is, but obviously... Brilliant, brilliant trad climber, brilliant wall climber. There's probably some uh, some UK climbers that have done this because I, they kind of have to. Those short little cliffs out there, they're scary. That's all they got. Anyway, just curious, just curious about this thing, this idea. I think it's I think it's unusual, even if there are a few folks out there have sort of followed that same path. But yeah, we'll hear about that and a bunch more from Matt in just a moment. One last thing I'll say is that before you start bugging me about TAPS, the TAPS edition is coming. It is never the first of the year. It's never the first episode of the year, which I have to remind everyone each year. It's usually the second, but I'll put it out when I want to put it out, when we get it recorded. One of the TAPS commentators is uh, waiting for his wife to give birth, which is like imminent, might even be happening as I record this. Literally, it's, it's supposed to happen this week. So yeah, there's some stuff going on, all right? Anyway, we'll get to the TAPS thing soon enough. In the meantime, here's a conversation with rock climber, adventurer, business person, Matt Siegel. Well, folks, them holidays are behind us. And maybe you consecrated Mary Bird and the baby Jesus without so much as a wiggle in the hay. Or... Maybe you celebrated them candles lasting through an eight-day bivvy. Or perhaps you're old school 
and you feasted and gambled and danced naked upon Saturn's fertile soil. But after all the gift-giving and receiving, you just didn't end up with what you really wanted, some sick gear from Black Diamond. So cash in them gift cards, return a sweater or two, eBay those bedroom slippers, and head over to blackdiamond.com or your favorite local shop and find literally everything you need for your next climbing adventure, including the Stoke. That's right. Nobody has you covered head-to-toe, pad-to-piton, ultralight cam to comfy hand jam like Black Diamond. Rock climbing, ice climbing, bouldering, or looking fine as rosé wine at the gym, BD has the goods. They even still sell wired hexes for Pete's sake. If that doesn't say next year's white elephant, I don't know what does. So as you shake off the holiday hangover and set your sights on a fructuous 2023, sow the seeds of adventure with some new gear from Black Diamond. The fruitcake's all gone, buckaroo. What are you waiting for? We've been trying to do this for a while, actually. Uh, maybe I years. Think years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more recently, we've had a little more like momentum, but we still haven't been able to get it done. But we're psyched because uh, we're here face to face, which I haven't done one of these in a little bit here at the Runout Studio. It's actually in Andrew's house, but we have a current event to talk about, which is the sad destruction of, I mean, pretty damn proud route up in the bugaboo. So let's talk about that. Phil, Phil, yeah. Phil so, so basically I established a route with Will Stanhope many years ago. We put like four or five seasons in over a hundred days on the wall, the Tom Egan Memorial route on Snowpatch Spire. And the whole thing fell off. Yeah. Like not just like, oh, the crux hold broke and you can't send it anymore. Like literally the whole thing is a pile of boulders at the base. Yeah. The whole wall's gone. Yeah, this huge I mean, how long was the route? Probably I mean, I think the first three pitches might still be there, but destroyed from the rock fall, but right. probably it looked like six pitches of the wall, like the majority of the route fell off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was like wa- like multiple routes fell off. It wasn't just yeah, this giant route, buttress, giant slid. buttress, yeah, like huge, like absolutely insane. And uh, I remember this was before it like hit the internet. Uh, a friend of mine from Canada was friends with one of the ski guides that took the photo and like sent me this Instagram message, being like, just like Tom Egan, R.I.P. And I was like, what? Like, and I was like, I looked at it and I was like holy shit like i just like it took me like my brain like didn't compute that that was possible type of scenario you know like i looked at it and i was mm-hmm. like oh wait where is the tommy again whoa the tommy is not oh there's a rebel pile yeah it was bizarre yeah and luckily i mean it happened in winter so unlikely to have anybody up there yeah nobody was up there there's just they'd run a lot of ski operations right. in the winter time so right. they that people were able to see it and i think you know who who knows why i'm definitely no geologist but they this was right after in the middle of that like really bizarre cold snap that was mm-hmm. happening i think we got some of it in colorado that and in canada it was like negative 30 degrees for like four or five days so right. maybe the working theory is i don't know some some crazy freeze but right. absolutely insane and a lot of people have been kind of getting a hold of me and will and Will and I have been in touch a lot over the last, you know, couple of days after this happened and just like, shit, that was like 
kind of sad, you know, yeah. like it's kind of like every, like everybody's like, how does it make you feel? Like, how does it, and it's like, what you, <laughs> you know, like, it's how like, make you feel, how does it make Matt? you feel? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, do you feel like it's like your uh, legacy is gone? I'm like, for, I don't, I'm living. Like, I don't think about a legacy. Like, I, I don't think about, sure. you know, it's not like my mentality of like establishing routes isn't for the most part, isn't to like, you know, leave something. Um, but really it was like, well, like Will and I, like it kind of just made me go, introspective about like all the time that will and i had up there mm-hmm. and like was going back and like looking through photos and it was this like more of like this reminiscent feeling of gratitude towards the effort and the time you know and kind of the appreciation that we had out there and it's like yeah nobody else can try it now but like we didn't spend all that time there for somebody else to try it anyways right so you know part of that is like kind of who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a little bit of a fascinating kind of psychological journey to think about like, okay, again, like why did we climb that route? And if we had the experience we had, that hasn't changed. That's not gone. The memories are there. What happened to us happened to us. And, you know, the repeating of a climb is interesting because part of you is just like, I want the world to see you know, to have this great experience I had. But the truth is, too, is you're like, you know, part of you is probably like, I want to s- people to see how fucking nails this thing was. Yeah. And like, so it is, there is a, a little bit of ego. I mean, we're just humans. We're just dudes and like wrapped up in like, come and re- repeat this route that is so great that we found. So you have to like step back and say, okay, well, what was, what was this for? What, what was the benefits of doing it? Yeah. You know, once, now that it's fucking gone. Once it was, yeah. And so it was, it was, once you knew it wasn't going to get repeated, it was like, okay, well that's not, you know, like mm-hmm. that ego part is like kind of gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess I've probably been putting up first ascents for a little over 15 years, I would say in my climbing career and like some routes, you know, like I've gone in established routes with like, overbolted routes that are meant to teach people how to lead climb. Like I've established routes that are like super dangerous that like purely for me that, you know, took 10 years to get repeated and, you know, something, I, you know, Jesse Huey and I established the route in the wind river range, which was like a route that was like, we put in a lot of effort to make it like a route that our homies could go climb. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, we, it was that sick, you know? And something like the Tom Egan was just like one of those in the middle of the road routes where it was just like nails hard. It was a little run out in the bolted sections, but it wasn't dangerous. And it was just a really hard, inspiring finger crack, like one of a kind. Like there's, I'd love to see another one, one of these days, you know, like I don't like, I mean, it's like if you took the Cobra crack and put it on the glacier, like that's the kind of beauty of this line that to me was one of a kind that's now doesn't exist, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I guess that's kind of a sad thing in, in that regard of like perfection being destroyed in some way. Like in my opinion, like that crux crack pitch is like the perfect splitter. Like I don't know if I've ever seen another 514 besides maybe something like the Cobra crack, but even the Cobra crack's got some pin scars, you know, like this right. is like perfect stone. So yeah, that's like a little, like a little sad. And I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day and, they were like, well, at least there's a film about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess like that's the, that's the story now, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, you could watch like 
Will and I as kids banter and drink whiskey on a portal ledge and throw ourselves at this thing. You right. Know? Yeah. For five seasons. Five seasons. Yeah. Like literally we I've we spent probably over a hundred days on the wall. Like right. Not that's not exaggerating. Yeah. I mean it took we I would leave I live in Boulder, Colorado. I had this journey that I would make every summer. Right before the fourth of July, I'd leave, I'd go to Ten Sleep, Wyoming. I'd spend the fourth of July with my good buddy Mark Carter, who was from Ten Sleep. He's pro snowboarder for the North Face. That's how we met. Party on the fourth of July. And then I'd drive up, hike into the bugaboos, and basically be there until early September. The whole summer and take like a week off in the middle and do something like something in the Canadian Rockies or Squamish. And yeah, we were just, that was four or five years in a row. Wow. Just that like same program, tent sleep, you know, like tent sleep, stop in Missoula, see some friends overnight, continue up to Canada straight. What a trip. Yeah. I mean, did it ever get you down? Uh, what I mean, was there like a low point or like, Oh, for sure. Towards like, the, Fuck this thing. Towards the end of the season. And, and the funny thing is I never <laughs> even sent the crux pitch, you know, like I never sent the route. Like that right. was like, um, there, it was definitely right. hard. There was, a, there was like a, a face pitch to get to the crack. Pitch. Yeah. 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 God, I thought it's funny you say that. Cause I always thought not, not always, but at this moment I was like, it was the other way around, but no fucking Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it was like, it's one of the only routes that like, I feel like though I didn't send, I still like, it was such a team effort right. and like it would have been cool to send. And it was in the back of my mind of like one day going back and right. sending, you know, especially now well, that the, I'm like, the, but now the that's pressure's off. Bro. The pressure's off. She's she, she gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like the, the first year we focused on the crack and it took about, probably 20 days or something before we figured out the free face pitch to go into it. And we kept trying this like obvious, even from the glacier, you could see this like subtle indention slab that we kept trying to free to the base of the splitter that didn't go. And then one day I just like looked down and left like the opposite way and like saw a crimp. And I was like, Holy shit. I was like, well, lower me like, and he was just like lowering me. And I'm like, on top rope, like going down. Oh, there's one hole. There's another hole. There's another hole. And we just like pieced together this traverse that we called the the drunken Don Wall pitch because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was at the same time, like same times as as uh, Tommy and Kevin were were trying the Don Wall. Right. And we were like, yeah, this is like the Don Wall, except we're probably more drunk. Like, just like <laughs> going for it <laughs> out here. Uh, but yeah, it was good times. It was like Will and I's friendship, kind of like just like became like family mm-hmm. on all those all those days up there and well there's another way to look at it too with with this whole um you know if you it's not even like destruction isn't even the right word because it's just nature and geology and yeah you know these things are arbitrarily created in a sense by us like the where we give the significance to that crack right because it fits our fingers and the one over there is a big muddy chimney but Anyway, but I, I I was just thinking like, well, you know, geologically speaking, the 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 time between you guys sending and this thing falling off is like, you know, a flip of a of a butterfly's wing. Like it's just so short a time geologically speaking that you totally. guys like you guys were gifted this moment to yeah. do it in a sense, and yeah. like 
not that like you almost died or anything like it almost fell with you on it, but just in in the idea of that that in the greater scheme of things, it was like this blink that you guys got to go up there and have this experience. Yeah, Even and if I it think it was it's... a six year blink or a five year blink. It, it, geologically, that's ridiculous, you know, amount of time. Yeah, I, I I think I I kind of look at it that way too. And somebody the other day was like, "Don't you feel like? Aren't you bummed because it's like." your legacy and i was like eh. that that word and that concept to me was just kind of like a little bit off-putting in some ways in the sense that it's like yeah we took advantage of a moment in time mm-hmm. and like really enjoyed that moment in time it's not going to be there forever you know it's like i'm not going to do things for the future i'm going to do things for the moment you yeah know? right it's all fleeting we're all yeah it's like and this is like a great example yeah. of like <laughs> sure there's certain things that like you know like have held the test of time like boulder problems midnight lightning or these like iconic you know like certain routes for sure but at the end of the day like things get greasy or holds break or walls fall, <laughs> like, walls fall off. Like, i mean they all fall off eventually, they all right? fall off eventually right. and it's like yeah I mean, the boot flex going someday, so. Yeah, I just feel like it goes at, at. the funny thing is, is, I feel like this isn't the first time I've talked about this scenario, and I feel like everybody who talks to me, like, I just get this vibe that they, like, they want me to, like, say something that's, like, heartfelt and, like, meaningful, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't have it. I don't have the and I don't have, like, all I can say is, like, we had an epic time out there, and I'm, like, grateful for that time, and... And that's all this, it falling off has just made me realize that, you know, nice. and to not forget. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So when did you um, meet, when did you meet Will? Like, how did that happen? Um, how did you guys hook up? Will and I started dating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I met him in, oh, man, it was a long time ago, probably in Squamish. Uh-huh. I'm assuming um, I went up, I knew Sonny Trotter, who they're friends to, another fellow Canadian. And went up years, I don't even know, before Sonny did the Cobra Crack, because we were trying the Cobra Crack together, and kind of hung out then. And then Will and I became better friends and started, Will came to Boulder, climbing an Eldo a bunch. Um, and then, yeah, we just started going on random trips. Yeah. I actually came and went to the Bugaboos with him and Jason Crook, and we did a route on the Central Tower. I believe that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Central Hauser Tower, pitches. Central Hauser yeah. Tower, the smaller tower in between the north and the south. But yeah, we just like we kind of like vibe together and went on like bouldering trips to Pinoles in Mexico, putting up like highball boulders, and yeah, I've kind of just been homies ever since. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys have. Um, I mean, Will is sort of a, a you know, some ways fearless trad climber. Yeah. Um, so and, and you know, whatever I'll do, I'll go climb whatever, whenever, with any time, kind of dude. And it's it a, seems like your career's been a little bit punctuated by that as well. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that's like part of the part of the like the majority of like the trips have been like me coming up with some crazy idea. Besides, he came up with the the Tommy again, but me being like, I heard about this area that. John Sherman went to in Mexico and it's got some maybe trad climbing and high walls. Let's go. And he's, well, it's just like, sure, let's go, you know? And like, he'll, he called me up and be like, Hey, 
have you ever heard of this trad climbing area in Sweden? Like, I'm like, no, let's go. You know, you know, so it's like, I think we've both always been kind of down for the, for the objectives. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, an enigmatic sort of climber, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Tall, lanky Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's only one trip that he was like kind of bummed about that I dragged him on for sure. (laughs) Oh, which one was that? That was when we rode my 50cc scooter from Boulder oh, to Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the Dumb and Dumber reenactment. What was that all about? I don't. Honestly, I sort of vaguely remember it and like some pictures from it. Honestly, I vaguely remember it too. But I, I, uh, I don't even know how I had this idea. But I just thought it would be funny to reenact the dumb and dumber movie and the concept of it was like will sent in the bugaboos and matt didn't send and this whole theatrical acting and stuff of like me just like being in my basement like eating pizza just like a fat slob with a big beard and just like all this stuff and being like watching t and the tv comes on and it's dumb and dumber and i'm like i got the idea and i like call will and i'm like will let's Right, I got the adventure. I need an adventure in my life, you know. I'm like, we'll ride the scooters and we'll go ice climbing, and uh, it obviously was all acted, mm-hmm. uh, except for the fact that we actually did. I was like, everything's gonna be fake, except we're gonna ride the scooter. Like nobody's done this, nobody's ever thought about this in the middle of winter. Like it's gonna be gnarly, but like we got it, you know. And it was fucking heinous. <laughs> <laughs> It, so, it took us like and will like will thought it was going to be like more of a climbing trip he's like oh yeah we'll just bang out the scooter thing and go ice climbing and go climbing you know right. like it was like going to be like a quick like we're just going to do it you know and john glassberg was louder than 11 they made the film and it took us like like three or four days because like literally over some of the passes where you're going like 10 miles an hour wills on the back holding on to me and i'm just like i'm in mountain boots and like a full himalayan suit with like my feet like as rudders on the side just like going like getting passed by cars <laughs> what, what so i gotta i mean this will be a little colorado centric but what the what route did you take how did you so get you, there you couldn't because I, you yeah. can't go on the interstate yeah, you can't go on, and no nor would you want to no. so you got a freaking 18 wheelers grill like two inches 287 you went south okay. so yeah. you did monarch pass right which was gnarly yeah and then mcclure pass okay yeah <laughs> that's awesome so you probably went north rim of the black yeah yeah basically yeah that's yeah, cool. yeah. so along yeah super beautiful i mean yeah. it's really really beautiful like and the the film like it's really funny because we like acted out scenes from dumb and dumber you know like along the way we stayed in hotels and stuff but then like the the footage is like it's like i mean colorado is super pretty in the winter oh well time. that's awesome back then yeah. too because then you yeah you yeah. came all the way up through hotchkiss and yeah or uh, up through Peonia and yeah. up over McClure, down through Carbondale. Yeah, down through Carbondale. Damn, I wish I'd have known. <laughs> this was you probably, long... I mean, you literally would have driven within like 100 yards of my house. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm right we off 133. We showed up just in time for Pride Week, too. Oh, sick. Yeah, it was pretty epic. Will and I were like taking all these photos with the scooter and yeah. Kind of Move awesome. that back over a little bit. <laughs> it was kind of awesome. Yeah, it sounds awesome, actually. Um, And, and like, it's it, it's it's funny because it's like to what end? Uh, you just wanted to do this hard, like weird project. The, like- yeah. Well, the, I guess the truth is, and it, it kind of turned into more of a, a dumb and dumber thing, but the, the sole purpose that I really wanted to do, which didn't really, 
come through was I really just wanted to make fun of adventure films. Oh, okay. So this was like kind of the peak of like, you know, like over-exaggerated gnar, like, Mm -hmm. and, and I was just like all the film festivals and like, I was just like, let's just like poke fun at like it. And it just, our storyline grew too big for us to like do a good job at that, right. which is, it's its own thing and it's hilarious, but that's kind of where the, the original idea happened. It was like, you know, like I'm guilty of this. I'm a part of this. I've mm-hmm. like been in these like over dramatic adventure films on climbing or whatever. And I was like, let's just like turn it around and make fun of ourselves. And like, that's, that's kind of the idea how I think both myself and Will kind of like to take our careers in a lot of ways is like can't take it too seriously like we're out here climbing rocks going on adventures like we're not saving the world well the funny thing is though is that you could have driven the scooter and filmed parts of the drive on the scooter but the fact that you insisted on actually doing the scooter ride because i mean it could have been I mean, there has to be like dumb and dumber fans that have done such a thing before. We learned. Have you found out like. There's a couple of scenarios that people have done some things like since then and before. Yeah. But still pretty proud. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. Like I I didn't like. It's a funny. It's just funny because everything else you were faking, faking, but you're like your ethics were like, we can't fake that part. It's to- you're totally right. It's totally arbitrary and totally ridiculous, and it's like it's like any kind of ethics. Like right. they're just made up. Like you, we all draw our lines in the sand, and that was the line that I drew on that project. Was like, we are at least gonna like take the scooter from my house to Boulder to Aspen. And the funny thing was, the whole storyline was like, yeah, we're gonna like go ice climbing, and we we get to Redstone, and there There's wasn't no any. Ice. Ice. Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> So we like it, we were like ice climbing in Vale. Like we right. we we like loaded the scooter up, drove to Vale, and went ice climbing. Like yeah, so you like, botched that part too, yeah, or yeah. you like made that part up? But the scooter ride, the, the scooter ride was legit. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been joking about trying to do another one. Actually, you know? really, I kind of want to like ride the scooter to Canada, huh? Like maybe by myself or with 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 Feta. What do you run in a? What's the scooter? I mean, some scooter fans are going to want to know. Uh, it's a a genuine rough house it's like kind of like genuine's another scooter brand Mm -hmm. honda has their honda ruckus right which is like a like kind of stripped down it's like that version of this company genuine they also make a buddy it's what's called the it's like a super classic scooter that a lot of people have it's like a buddy with just like metal frames okay yeah and it was red in the film but i I just i got her painted and it's matte black now okay i still have her (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um well let let me do some timeline stuff with you um actually as much for my own sort of um curiosity um but i'll start with this like are you and just be honest are you the best climber to ever come out of florida I don't know. There's probably been some kid that's. I would never say I'm the best at <laughs> I know, anything. I'm setting you up. I would definitely. But there, there's been a couple. Do you ever watch that movie Free Waco back in the day? No. Are you kidding me? No, sorry, it's a hole in my resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a classic scene with this total weirdo. I hope he listens to the Enorma cast because I've actually never met him. And he does this bowler problem where he like births himself through this like tiny hole. 
I think this style of climbing has been turned into off with climbing. Right. But he like you climb this face and then he like crawls like through this hole and it's this whole like scene of him just like birthing. He's from Florida. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh but there's I mean, when I came up in climbing in Florida, there was like nobody there's no strong climbers in Florida. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But since then, I mean, now there's I know climbers from everywhere. Yeah. But. No, I'm just saying. I mean, but in in some ways, I, let's not say the best, but you're perhaps the most notable um, that I I know of. Megan Martin's from Florida too. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. She's probably more. Notable She's more than I am. notable than you are. <laughs> Absolutely. By by quite a bit. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you yeah, go. Okay. Yeah. So you're not even. All right. You're not second even close. most notable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but let me just set my set the scene then. You're you're what a high school kid. Like what's what happens to um to to set you on the path? So I started climbing. I went to a camp in North Carolina, where my grandparents lived, and got into climbing then when I was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And would just go in the summertime. And then one summer, came home and there was a gym built. Basically, I was like, what, what year? I mean, not, you don't have to be exact, but give me a era. Give me 98. A okay. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah it's an early gym, especially for that. Early gym, first gen. Yeah. 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 Interestingly enough, Tony Nero came down and helped build the gym. That's and what he helped. was doing. That's what his whole deal was. Yep. And the owner of the gym, the owner and his brother, Derek and Keenan Wagner, Derek came from gymnastics coaching background. Mm-hmm. And Keenan just worked at the gym and he he actually moved to but he was the CEO of USA Climbing for quite some time. Um so he kind of stayed in the climbing industry. But they like kind of trained me mm-hmm. under like Yanero's guidance basically. Um f- starting at thirteen or fourteen, it was like came home from camp, there was a gym, and it was like game on. It was like this is what I'm like meant to do kind of scenario. And they like ran all sorts of tests on me. Like, I, like, <laughs> like the other day, I was like, I haven't campused in a long time, and I'm like in the gym with my girlfriend and campusing, and we're just talking. And and I was like, Yeah, I just do this. She's like, I can't do that. Like, I'm like, Well, yeah. She's like, How, When did you learn to campus? I was like, Well, it's like you know, when I was a kid, like Canaan made me campus for six weeks straight. That's all I did. I didn't do anything else. I just campused for six weeks. <laughs> And it was like old school periodized training of like right. power. And that's like the best, like, you know, boulder a little bit, but it was literally, most of it was, was campusing. So I got really into training and stuff like that. Like my high school was, was definitely not like a normal high schooler. I would assume I, uh, junior and senior year I got, I was on work study where I'd go to the gym and train basically. Mm-hmm. I always left early, never made the first or last week of school because I was traveling for competitions. Yeah, but it was mostly gym climbing. I'd go and like rock climb a little bit on like mm-hmm. these trips. Like I'd go, um, you know, like if it was Youth World Championships in 90, my first one, I went to Seyus for the first time, which was sweet and kind of got into sport climbing um, through that. But uh, was pretty dedicated competition climber until my early 20s. Yeah, so did you, <clears throat> I mean, you had these these guys, these adults that were like, you know, basically like, creating this little monster of sorts um did you have peers though i mean what what was the scene like like i didn't which was weird yeah 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 yeah, i know it's super weird it's like a definitely like a like 
I, I'm sure there's sure somebody could like tear apart my personality right. and be like, because I like, no, 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 like, I, you know, my father passed away when I was a kid. I was an amazing stepdad that's been in my life, like, since I was super young. And then I had these two, like, two guys at the climbing gym. And one of them was like super straight edge, like Derek, gymnastics coach. The other one was like Keenan, like, total hippie like you know like whatever flew you know like i'd get bad grades and my mom would be like what should i do should i let him go on this climbing trip and derek would be like no and keeney would be like yeah of course <laughs> you know like it's just like this like and i was always i was always the youngest one and eventually you know yeah that's like i don't know where you want to go with this but it was weird for sure to say the least <laughs> and it was also weird just being so isolated because I remember like, you know, I think I was 14 and I was like winning all these comps in Florida. And they were always like really good at like kind of like beating me down. They're like, yeah, you're the best in Florida. Like, ha ha ha. Like, you suck. <laughs> you know, like, like you're going to suck. Like, you know, and then I went to like regionals and I like did pretty well at regionals. I, I don't, my first regionals. So that's like Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. Like, I don't know if I won or did well, whatever, you know, it was like, I did good I, enough to make nationals, right. you know, and it's like, oh, well, you're definitely going to suck at nationals, you know, and I right. like, wait till you meet up against the kid from Cats. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I did, <laughs> Adam Stack. And, uh, you know, I got third at my first national. So right. it was like, you know, it was like, all of a sudden it was like, I think everybody's mind was blown. Right. Like mine was for sure. And then Derek and Keenan was like, they were like, oh, well, we do have like a little kid who's real good mm -hmm. you know like so i think that first year then then like tony started coming around a little bit more and like it started to like tra trajectory towards the comps was pretty high right yeah so you were an early comp <laughs> i mean not early early but you were a comp climber in the sort of adam stack year i mean mm -hmm. caldwell would have been around then mm -hmm. and, and yeah and, uh even sharma yeah so i moved to colorado in 2002 and was still heavily in the comp scene, took second to Chris. Okay, how, wait, how old were you? 18. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Eight, yeah, graduated high school. I went to Europe uh, and spent like four months in Europe, sport climbing. I met up with randomly with Dave Graham, okay. Luke Parody, and Joe Kinder, Tim Kempel, and Seyus. And they were like, you should move to Boulder. And I was like, you guys are pretty good. Like, sure. Right. I'll move to Boulder. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I like, you know, it was like just there, like climbing. Like Ethan Pringle was there because we were friends from the youth comps. And then this guy, Sean Diamond, who I was traveling with a fair bit, who used to do a lot of the comps too. And I was just on the, the circuit, Switzerland, France, just like doing some World Cups and then trying to rock climb in between. And then came home from that and got in my car, two door Ford Exploder, and drove to Colorado and lived in a trailer, a pop up camper with Isaac Caldolero, actually, <laughs> outside of Dave Graham's house. Oh, sick. Yeah, so, yeah. so you just, like, dropped <laughs> just in. Like, I just dropped straight in and was, straight like... Straight in. From from then, it was, like, bouldering. Just kind of switched just the focus. Just down in the bong water. Like, just, like, <laughs> totally. And, and uh, man, it was a pretty funny time. It was, like, it's like it, it was... You didn't have to, like, train for the comps back, like, in that... Like, in the same sense. In the yeah. same sense as you do now, so... I climbed outside a lot. I didn't have a ton of sport climb. I was trying to sport climb as much as I can, but that circle was like pretty heavily into bouldering because like all these classic areas, Rocky Mountain National Park, Mount right. Evans were just getting developed. So it was kind of a cool 
time to be there. So that was 2002. I did comps for another three years. Yeah. Like pretty focused on comps, I would say, until 2005. Right when Daniel Woods came on, came on the scene. Right. I was kind of like, oh, there's like, I'm going to have to change things to compete with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So peace out. Yeah. I like won the ABS Nationals in 2004, I think. And then Daniel came on in 2005 and won. And I took second, second or third. And at, at that time, I was just kind of like realizing like, okay, if I'm going to stay competing, I'm going to need to spend more time in the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm also just not that psyched on spending time in the gym. Like this thing called trad climbing was like, I heard about it. Right. <laughs> you, you know, it was like, maybe I can do that. Try that. And right. uh, eventually went down that path. That's kind of where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Um, sorry. I just nattered. No, no, my no, way that's fine. That's, through that. that. Well, because the, <laughs> the important part of it is, is that is you had this, this preliminary part of your life where for sure and it definitely like it it, i mean even to this date and and just to like i'm gonna like loop around this whole thing Mm -hmm. real quick and we'll we'll go back to what you're talking about fine because we're here in newcastle and i'm now trying kryptonite again which in like 2003 i was like coming out here with adam stack right Yeah, that's right. Because so like, he, yeah, the, so the that year, crew was was up here. Yeah, so was Sa- Nick Sagar and all those. That was part of the so, first wave up there. Yeah, so Adam sent, and I was like, I believe I one hung it back was, then. He was he was too good for his own own britches. I've been trying to get him on the show, actually. Oh, you should. Oh, yeah. I, I, he he said yes, and then I then he wiggled off the hook. Yeah, yeah. I even I even sort of sicked Tommy on him, but yeah, still haven't been able to get him on. But oh, I, I want I want the backstory because. Yeah, he's like back to you know in the climbing world. Yeah, and it's just fascinating that he bailed. He bailed. Yeah. He totally anyway, bailed. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> but yeah, so I like I like <laughs> this is this is all part of this the story, right? Is I like was climbing up here with him, and then he sent, so I didn't have a partner to come up here, and that was like kind of at the same time that I was like, I don't want to compete. I want to learn to trad climb, and then I spent the next fifteen years focusing more on trad climbing until now i'm like you know what like let's try the sport climbing thing again yeah (laughs) well yeah that's that's, i mean you know we'll see how that goes but um (laughs) thanks no just kidding Uh, um i mean that that, the thing about it and and you know if people listen to uh not real recent but a run out from last year with you that that was my impression of you when i first heard of you and you know because i'm friends also with will and mm-hmm. um you know and and hayden kennedy and like you were sort of in the creek and you know mm-hmm. back in those days and you were friends with the and and i kind of knew all those people micah dash and um you know again a, a, like outer circle kind of friends so yeah i was like oh he's just one of those guys like matt's one of those dudes that climbs with those guys and you know johnny cop that that whole crew like that's who he is. And yeah, I was just like later that I found I was out like the, about all the all the all the comp stuff and yeah, the sport was, climbing and stuff. I was like a gym rat that those guys adopted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's like, That's what happened. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't know that because yeah. you were already like well in it. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's kind of fascinating because you know, especially then, I think it's much more common for people to sort of spread themselves out to different disciplines. But yeah. Um. I mean, even looking at like those guys that you dropped in with. They have stayed on that track primarily. Yeah. So, was it like? So, let's talk about how it happened that you like switched. 
and it sounds like it was somewhat, you know, it was conscious and it was pretty. Did, did you kind of like realize, in a way, like how how sort of a splitting of the paths it would be for you for twenty years if you're only getting back now to sport climbing? I didn't. I definitely didn't. Right. I, I think there was a moment in the middle of it all where I like realized that that's what happened, and that was kind of like partially through like one of the North Face, one of my biggest main sponsors, like all these opportunities to do all these crazy adventures that some are climbing, some aren't climbing. I was like, I was like, Whoa, I just like did all these amazing rad things that like wasn't focused on climbing at all, you know, right? like halfway in like the process of it all. But I did not expect that it would derail me from sport climbing as much, but now I'm like getting back into sport climbing the last couple of years. And it's like, I don't, I'm not like, I look at someone like Seagrass and I'm like, fuck, maybe I could have climbed like 9B, but I'm like, I don't really care. Like I've, you know, like I'm not like, that was never my passion or my drive. Like you can't ignore that. It's like, I'm not like upset that my drive was to do crazy adventures, you know? Cause it's Mm -hmm. like now I don't, I don't, I still feel like I haven't reached my potential with sport climbing, which is kind of cool. Like as I'm 38 and I still feel like I'm going to climb you know, my hardest route for sure. Hasn't, I haven't climbed my hardest route yet. Right. So that's a cool feeling. I've probably, I may have climbed my most dangerous route. I I don't know that I'm going to go, you know, like I feel like maybe that's like winding down in terms of like the dangerous trad climbing, but like, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that. You think about trad climbing, you're like, what's this thing? There's Eldos right there. The guys we're talking about, Dave and that crew aren't going to go and, do big roots in Eldo with you. Um, so what happens? I mean, you ended up sort of getting a, an apprenticeship of sorts or you got adopted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, how did that happen? A mutual friend of ours, which I think we talked about this on the run out briefly, Naomi Guy, mm-hmm. who also has like this similar, I mean, she's a little older than me and I think, and British, and I think her path was, wasn't similar, but similar in the sense that she did comps and trad climbed, mm-hmm. but I think it was all more simultaneously happening. And I worked for her in college and knew her through the comps and stuff. And she introduced me to Eric Takaria. And that's kind of how I got into the trad climbing stuff. And through Eric, I met Micah and Johnny and then kind of the whole scene there. But Eric was definitely the main one to be like, okay, like, let's like, you know, because he was this like kind of outcast trad climber too, in the sense that he was like kind of, you know, psyched on climbing hard. Yeah, and establishing routes in like a very specific style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's funny because he's he's always been this fringe dweller in a sense. Like, totally, he's very. It's like if you live and you climb in Colorado and you track climb, then then his name pops up. It pops up, but you yeah. might not know. Like maybe if you went to Mill Creek, you're yeah. like, who is this guy that was like did all these first ascents? You, you know, he's he's definitely like kind of enigma in, in that zone and. Man, it was, I, I like went a long time not not having, just like we grew apart, but mm-hmm. recently we've been chatting a little bit more, which has been kind of awesome. Um, but my like tutelage of like learning to trad climb in Eldo was like thrown into the deep end, like sink or swim, mm-hmm. like hands down. Like there's no like, there was no like, this is a cam. This is, it was like, here you go. And it was kind of this like gear protected sport climbing is what like, method in some ways he would be like okay you're strong enough to do these things here's here's the rack go up and i'd get up there and i'd be like oh shit like 
I got to stand on my foot. I'm like sketching a little bit. And he'd be, he'd, he'd like, I remember this moment on this pitch, some 511R thing. And he's like, okay, little buddy, this is where you can't fall. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh no, Eric said I can't fall, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, you're like, okay, like, it's like, turn the switch. Like, you know, comp there, time. Was there an age difference? Is there an age difference? There is about 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you got this whole other like, a, Again, like, a guy, older dude mentorship thing for sure. Happening, yeah, it's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, except yeah. for from a whole different, a whole different place, whole different place. And, did, and is it is it similar? There's some psychology there, I'm okay, sure. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Maybe. <laughs> we can get there. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, you lost your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, I'm not joking. Like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. I'm not. I'm not joking either. But yeah, it, for, in there. But let me ask you this. So he. I mean, you guys, you were introduced to him. Obviously, he was way more experienced than you. Oh, yeah. He's got this crew of dudes he does this shit with. But for some reason, he's like, just like your guys when you were a kid were like, I don't know, this, this, let me see what I can do with this kid. Or like, well, let me see what I, I mean, not kid, you were in your 20s, but. I think, and, and honestly, Eric and I never like talked about this, but right. I think he was always the strongest. Like for the most part, I'm sure there's the occasional not, you know, I think he was always kind of the boldest and the strongest. Like I kind of get that vibe and he might disagree with that, but I, 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 that's kind of an assumption. Mm -hmm. So I think he was psyched to like have like a young partner that was like psyched for whatever, you know, like let's go. Like, yeah, the energy, like the energy, like I was just fired up and it was like, and also I think, you know, like a lot of his routes like hadn't gotten repeated and he was like, oh, cool. Like. I could like this little guy can come repeat my routes and we could try to do new routes and like you know and we did and like we put this a little guy. a ton of routes together you know <laughs> and uh I just had this picture of you with the one of those little beanies with the, with the <laughs> propeller on top yeah. it's like come on let yeah. me yeah. And, a big uh, sucker you know the giant sucker yeah <laughs> and it, it was just like it was yeah it was a cool it was a cool time for sure. Well, here's here's something, you know, you're probably going to not necessarily agree in some ways, but it's it's interesting because you are well, let me say this. I I just talked to Amity Warm a couple episodes ago and mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, they had this day in Indian Creek where like all these <clears throat> like six people or five people or something like just ate yeah, you know, learning to fly for for lunch, like mm-hmm. the 13, like steep 13 vinegar crack out there and all of them flashed or onsided it, like just boom, boom, boom. And it was like, to me, when I heard about that, I was like, yeah, this is just now like all this training, all this indoor climbing going to, to, to crack climbing. I know a couple of those people heard that and pushed back, but they yeah. may not be gym climbers per se, but yeah, it's all in the <clears throat> ether now. And you, I don't know. It's like, I don't know of many other people that long ago not that it was like not that you're super old but that did that that crossed over that put all that time in getting strong being this primarily indoor climber for a long time and then just a sport climber brought that to the game and and like i i mean maybe in uh, the UK, I think it was probably happening, but it's different there. It doesn't count. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. I mean, it, it, and it's just kind of not like you were some pioneer consciously, but it was pretty new. Yeah, no, you're. I you're, mean, De Niro you're, was like that. You're. And, you're or even earlier. You're partially right. I guess I've always looked at like it's. I'm like a little younger than Chris Sharma right. and Tommy Caldwell, so like 
Because those guys started climbing in the gym too. Yeah, but Sharma is not a track climber. I mean, he's no, he's not a track climber. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying cross. Okay, to to track climbing for sure. Yeah, yeah. But we we don't put. I mean, Tommy, don't categorize. Yeah, yeah. You you could you could build giant mathematical models and he'll still be the anomaly. Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's hardworking Colorado. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, so much respect. Yeah, but uh, uh. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I mean, I do feel like there's maybe it's like me and a couple other people yeah, were the yeah. first people to do that in in the in the way that you're talking because now it's irrelevant because everybody starts climbs in the gym. Is that yeah. your point? Yeah, I mean now it's like exactly it's kind of like we were trying to think of professional climbers that didn't start in climbing in a gym, right? And we couldn't think of any. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it's out the window now. It's but like, gone, you know, it was, like, and, and not, let, let's just say this too. We're talking about track climbing, but I, I don't think like Tommy's ever made it a, necessarily a distinction about <clears throat> seeking and climbing scary routes. Yeah. Uh, I think he admits that that's not necessarily his game. You know, the shit he does is like he's done some scary, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. not like like what Eric, yeah, was was like and, specifically you know interested in and what you were kind of interested in. And I think for me at the time, like that was like interestingly enough, growing up in in Colorado, not in California, right? Mm-hmm. So like like Yosemite is its own thing. There's like that stuff, but like you look at the like what we have available in the Front Range and and even in the moab zone it's like short bouldery the hard routes are like mm-hmm. short bouldery kind of like not pure crack climbing you know i've like later i got into pure crack climbing but for the most part it was like like eldos like they're just boulder problems on right. gear so for me it was this it felt like the most similar feeling to competition climbing mm-hmm. it was this mental and physical challenge that was like i might as well have been on a stage in europe competing you know in some way so like i felt like at that time i was trained perfectly for that right because <clears throat> it was face climbing i just had to like learn how to like things in the cracks you know i had to learn how to place gear and then i had to like learn the moves and then perform right you know like which is the which was i'd spent you know the previous 15 years training like how to perform under pressure. Mm-hmm. So like it, it that's, you know, and that's where, you know, like the head pointing and like all that stuff came into play, you know, it was like perfect. I was like perfectly trained for that. Now onsite climbing is a whole other story that like I, my, my skills at onsiting trad routes is like way lower than they should be. You know, like that's kind of like a big goal of mine this year is to focus more on that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, that's kind of fascinating too, because you know the trad thing is such this mixed up like gear protected sport climbing you know there's like bag of of ethics you know yeah it has become that and maybe it had some purist definition in the beginning but but yeah it's it's kind of fascinating because on-site climbing traditionally to use the the sort of almost like a pun you know was part of that yeah as well but what you guys ended up doing a lot of was was yeah, sport climbing. But it was, here to but it was this extent. weird arbitrary yeah. stuff too. Like, I mean, a lot of those harder routes in Eldo, I didn't top rope actually. I right. went ground up, but it was like when I fell, I pulled back up on the rope and I like right. hang dog to the top, you know, right? Like, so it was like figured it out, so it's the moose, got the gear, and then try to fire it. So, like, mm-hmm. there, like, 
like everything was head pointed back then. That was definitely the harder routes were like focused on head pointing because they were dangerous and you know five fourteen five thirteen grade. But like a lot of the other things were like I'd I'd at least always go ground up right from the first time if it was possible. You know right. So but, uh, you you mentioned that like you talked just now about like being um you know on a stage and you know under pressure to perform helped you switch that over to the pressure to not fall on on a on a traditional climb but where did you when you did get into climbing whatever routes that you consider to be you know literally dangerous versus just scary you know um thinking about like some of the routes up on the rincon that you know you could take giant falls off but generally aren't going to kill yourself or whatever versus stuff where you were climbing hard where you're like this is literally dangerous like where did you compartmentalize that danger then because you you know the pressure certainly to perform in a, in a comp is doesn't have that element in it or did you were you able to just kind of like wrap it all into a ball of pressure and put it behind you like do you ever think about that i think it's like you could wrap it up into a ball to be honest i, I think it's like a different fear and pressure like or like these emotions that's just energy mm-hmm. and it's like it's we're labeling the energy we're like labeling that energy fear we're labeling that energy pressure from our parents or pressure from society you know right. so so i think it's like it's up to you to differentiate what that energy does so if once you learn tricks to control that it's the same like your heart rate spiked, how are you going to lower your heart rate? Like you're going to breathe, you know? So like you learn these tricks to like, that it doesn't, you know, I mean, you could translate those tricks to public speaking. Like right. you could translate those, you know, to driving 150 miles an hour in your car, you know, like that pressure, like you could, yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah, totally. What, is there any time you can think of when the tricks didn't work and you were fucking losing it? <laughs> um man if not we could skip it let me think about it for a second yeah Yeah, yeah. i mean maybe there wasn't one i'm sure like a bunch of climbing partners are going to be listening to this being like there's that dog you're fucking the wheels came off the bus (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh i mean i've definitely like backed off things for sure um come out one of these days one of these days one of these days it's all gonna come out yeah. and fucking like have a panic attack mm. just driving down up i do have a funny oh, story oh. though that's kind of <laughs> wheels coming off the bus okay so you mentioned the rincon wall and that was like the earlier days of my like kind of like upbringing with eric and sure i'm up there it's a bit of a crucible for yeah like early hard like which is yeah, funny because now all those do all those routes get like repeated like all like eric and i got like the second and third or third and fourth cent of like a lot of those things and uh i'm up on this route and i'm going ground up and i have like most of the gear like i know what most where most of the gear is eric's like coaching me and he's he wasn't sure this like one stopper and this one part and i'm up there like trying to like fiddle in the stopper and i fucking couldn't get it in and i just hook it over my shoulder <laughs> just like sorry just like can't stop and kept going and just was like yeah so there was no like clipping that back to my harness it was just right like, i'm out of there kept going kept going sent no no i whipped oh <laughs> yeah, i whipped yeah. 
Don't always send. <laughs> like, how tight a partnership was this? I mean, were you guys like basically like climbing together all the time for yeah. a while? Um, it was a couple years of yeah. that. Of that, you know, like I don't know how many. Yeah, a bunch, three or four, five. Right. Yeah. And were you getting like voicemails like from from Dave Graham, like, "Hey, dude, like, haven't seen you in a while." No, and like, like at, at that point, those guys were like, "He's he's gone. He's he's gone." Uh, yeah, no, it's like hey, three buddy, or four. We're going bouldering. Hey, haven't seen you. <laughs> delete, delete. No, he was like, it was it was definitely like. No, actually, I got the whole thing right here. You like play it, and Eric looks at it, gives, gives you this look, and just shakes his head. And you're like, no, 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 Dave, Dave. I can't talk right now. <laughs> He's right here. He's right here. <laughs> no, we we had like a we had like a solid. Eric had a it was a carpenter and you know he worked and it was basically like we had like a definitely a program and then Micah Dash and Johnny Cop got introduced to the crew and I don't know how that all went. Like I don't necessarily remember all of. It, I feel like in my memory it was like Eric and I. And then all of a sudden, it was like me, Micah, Eric, John Dickey, right, uh, Johnny Cop. Like all of us were just like, like kind of the years molded together. And both Johnny and Micah ended up like kind of taking me on my first like bigger wall. Kind of, I was trips. I was about to ask you that. Actually. Yeah. So if, if those guys were a conduit to like the big trips, yeah, that, they that were was sort of their hallmark. That like, was so for sure. The big so, wild trips. Yeah, so Eric was definitely like getting me started in trad climbing and focusing on hard trad climbing in Eldo, I would say. And we we like went to Mill Creek and Indian Creek and Vitavu and like did other stuff for sure and ended up going to Kyrgyzstan together later, but it was Micah and Johnny who kind of like steered me towards Micah and I did the Freerider in 2007. And then Johnny and I, Johnny took me to the Wind River Range for the first time. We tried to do a new route on Mount Hooker and then ended up doing a route on Ambush Peak instead. But it was like this totally un, like mind-blowing experience. I think that I think Johnny and I went maybe before Mike and I went to El Cap because it was like I had no idea what I was doing at all. Johnny's like, here's the rack. And it was like Johnny Cop was like a big dude. He was like, I don't know. He's He's a giant now in my memory, but right, yeah. he was a big guy and I was a little guy. And back then I was a real little guy and he was like triples of everything. And I like, we'd get to the base of like a pitch and I'd be like, hmm, looks like a finger crack to me. Like, I'm just going to take the finger pieces. And he's like, no, you take the rack. And I'm like, wait, you mean <laughs> I need to take these three number threes and two fours up this finger crack? I was like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's like no, you know. So Johnny had that like that strict like trad climbing. You're ready. Like you're, you know, you're yeah. going. Um, and then Mike and I like we he Mike was funny because Mike was like psyched on the Eric and Matt program of like getting to climb hard. Like I feel like he started climbing and then got way into crack climbing and didn't really do much of the sport climbing or face climbing. Mm -hmm. And it was like way into Indian Creek and Yosemite and Joshua tree, you know, like he was on the, that old school dirtbag circuit. Yeah. What was that like, you know, describe, I mean, those years or that months or whatever, when, when you lost those guys. Oh dude, it was a fucking nightmare. Uh, and since then, man, we've lost so many, Right. So many friends. Like, it's like, 
it's like kind of gross in so many well, ways. Well, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, you, you've had so much networking and meeting friends and through the North Face team. And, yeah. and so, I mean, and that was like, what, four or five years ago, got really heavy. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I mean, Micah and Johnny was like the, the worst. Feels early on to the like, heaviest. I was 25. Right. Like, I was like, I was like a, I was like a kid, you know, mm-hmm. like not like, like well, our, you guys, like, it was such a, we were such a family. Dude. It was a family, and you guys were like this fucking force. Those guys were this force. Like, totally. I mean, again, this is a little regional, but they were like, yeah. If you were a track climber at any level in Colorado, like, those dudes were yeah. giants, as you said, yeah, yeah. like giants. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Micah wasn't a giant. Johnny no, was a Micah's giant. small. <laughs> exactly. But his nose, though. His nose. Jupac. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was one of the the only harder time that parallels is like my, this, my bad accident that I had a couple years ago. But like it was it was devastating, and it was like looking back, it was. I mean, at twenty five, you don't really know how to grieve or what that is, and I think even a lot of the older climbers like Pete Takeda and who were around at the time didn't really know. Like we just kind of we kind of lumped together as a community but in maybe the not healthy ways of a lot of drinking and a lot of like kind of yeah dark time i remember like i tried to climb the diamond with john dickey broke into tears in the north chimney had to bail like there was a rock fall and john had to throw me a rope and like didn't make to the summit like i didn't they died in may i Went to the Bugaboos with Will and Jason Cruck and top roped, couldn't lead, tried to lead one pitch, and that was it. Like, I was a mess. Like, I was like, oh, like, maybe I'm not going to be a climber anymore. Like, I don't even think I'd... Yeah, I was like, maybe this is it. I was sponsored by the North Face at the time, but I was just, like, literally asking myself, like, can I do this, you know? And it took... It wasn't until September of that year, so five months, four or five months later, I did a trip to Majorca with a bunch of North Face athletes and went deep water soloing. And I was like, oh yeah, climbing's fun. <laughs> right. You know, and there's a lot of weird things about that, that, that loss for me. It was, it was definitely like the first cuts, the deepest type of scenario. Like it took a really long time to get through that. And I still think of both those guys all the time. Like I'm still, I'm planning a trip that like Mike and I had planned, you know, like there's things that in the back of my mind that, that I think about those guys like on a more than anybody else mm-hmm. that I've lost in my life, I would say. But that was when when those guys passed away. All of a sudden, I wasn't the youngest. That was the moment. What you we talked about earlier, right? That was when I became friends with Hayden. Okay. That was when I became friends with Will. That like that was like okay, like, right? So like, I mean, I think, like <clears throat> I mean not. It's, yeah, it's like unfortunate loss of innocence in a sense. Totally. It yeah. was for me it was definitely like this weird loss of innocence of like okay, like climbing is dangerous and at the time like I mean they died in the mountains and alpine climbing and I was still just like what is that? You know, you, you know like it was like kind of knew what it was, but it was like obviously I knew what it was, but um I definitely like when you're 
climbing partnerships go from like three to one, you're like, whoa, okay. You know, and it hit Eric super hard too. Like everybody was like a total mess, you know? Eric kind of stopped climbing shortly right. after that. Like Eric and I went to Kyrgyzstan and after, right after that, the next summer after that, like a year and a half mm-hmm. after and me, Eric and John Dickey and kind of made this film. And it was like kind of about like fallen homies type of scenario, like live it, keeping the spirit type of thing. And, um, after that Eric, Eric kind of like took a pause, like mm-hmm. just moved on to other things in life. Right. And I think now he's getting back into climbing, but I think, think that was like the punctuation mark of those guys dying is our trip to kyrgyzstan yeah and then my and then heavily after that was i dove deep with will and hayden and like the younger crew yeah 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 i I kind of have this like thing in my imagination as like uh like if you if you had like a a drone shot of boulder like this detonation goes off and there's oh, yeah. ripples like and, and just go and go and go and so you know an inner circle but it just drew like the whole you know sort of outdoor climbing community into it it was wild it was yeah, pretty it was, wild it was wild i mean i don't i don't know. Really... johnny was like you know not not to like do... johnny was larger than life i mean he was a big was like, like yeah you, you were in the room with johnny you know you knew it like yeah, he was something else. So yeah. I think I think he his personality had affected so many people. Um, yeah, it, it, you know m- more so probably than Micah, but yeah, it was pretty pretty wild. Yeah, um, well, Micah was kind of just getting started. Yeah, and Johnny was like kind of a little even older, and like he was like the Pied Piper tenured. Man. He was just what like, I totally thought. yeah, yeah, like the adventure Pied Piper. Yeah, we yeah. we joked that it was he was Randy Macho Savage, like <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and he would just their 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 tricks in the mountains was he would just put micah on his back <laughs> and micah would just be like making coffee and giving him slim jims and johnny would just be like we're going to the summit like <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah like, yeah i have some great great images and memories of just you know hanging out in the black and stuff like that and ne- yeah. never real close with them yeah um but that's what i mean by like it was like a wave that i felt anyway yeah you know even though i just knew him casually I remember just like, okay, the wave just hit me too. You know? Yeah. No, it was, it was, yeah, it was weird. And it, it's like every time another friend or like inner circle or mm-hmm. outer circle passes, like I always go back to that, to mm-hmm. those guys. Cause yeah. like for me, like that was the hardest one and that it's always sad, but it's like, I don't know. There's always this weird disturbing thing of like gets easier. Yeah. Which is gross. Well, yeah, but I, I, it's just like it's weird to me. Like the concept that I can say that is like is is feels so unnatural. Yeah, but it's not. No, I I I, 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 know. I, I know. No, no, I, but I'm, you, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. I mean, I, Conrad talked about that on his first episode on the show, and and um, you know, and he has obviously the the most obvious touchstone death in his life, so. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but it is, I, and, like, and he's. I think he, he expressed those same kind of ideas, like that. That was the one, and it's it all comes back to that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I just saw Conrad a month ago when after Hillary Nelson passed, and like I was like Hillary, I was in inner circle with Hillary, mm-hmm. but she was like I knew her, I spent a lot of time with her through the North Face and stuff like that. And to me, the hardest thing was looking at Conrad and being right. like, Conrad, you're a mess. Well, dude's. 
you know, like talk just about like, piling it you're, on with you're that guy. Un- yeah. you, you've unraveled. And like, to me, like seeing the, like the statue crumble is right. like the hardest. You, you, you're just like, I mean, we're all human and we all deserve to grieve in our own way and in our own time and our own light, you know, but like, for me, that's like, that was like, you know, that's always the challenging thing of like watching the people that you view as solid, just like, or not solid. That's not a good word, but like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, he's a pillar. <clears throat> watching the pillars yeah, crumble is right. like, is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Almost yeah. tougher than like your own, yeah. like feelings. Like yeah. it's like makes them like, no, I, I a hundred percent. I mean, again, like, and we'll move on from this, <laughs> but like with, with Johnny, like it was more understanding that friends of mine that knew him yeah. well, like I'm sad for them, yeah. you know, it, 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 because of how it's hitting them, even yeah. if it's not, you know, it's not making me break down. Yeah. And because you just, it is, I mean, the waves thing is, is the apt metaphor. It's like you feel it. Yeah. Totally. Whether it's, whether you want to use waves in water or, you know, waves of energy, whatever yeah. it is, you you get these waves off of people, and and it's pretty heavy. So let's uh, let's go move on to brighter yeah, yeah. stories. I mean, it's funny we're we're deep into this thing, which I knew was going to happen, and and I was excited about it. <laughs> well, look, you, you this you know, you you're not like a well known like big mountain ice you know epic kind of climber, but your your career is spanned a, a lot of different disciplines and it's, yeah. it's really fascinating to kind of go through the psychology of all of them yeah. um, and i've been getting into ice climbing the last couple oh, years it's Don't been so fun <laughs> <laughs> well now you know like my main climbing partner is jesse huey and he's oh, right. just like a freaking you know he like thrives in the mountains mm-hmm. on you know with tools in his hands he's a great rock climber but right. he like he definitely like the switches well what is your background have you climbed big ass snowy icy roots yet no i'm psyched though we're getting more into it jesse's gotten me like a little (sighs) bit like in some ways but not like i i've i realized so we tried to climb the diamond in winter like free with like tools and stuff you know and I kind of realized that, like, I, I have, n- I don't have a ton of desire to the go. The Florida guy, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a ton of desire, like, to go and do like routes like Hayden did and routes right. that like Jesse's tried in Nepal. Like, sure, like, like I'm, like, I'm not, I don't, but I'd love to go to the Canadian Rockies and climb, you know, some some day routes there, and maybe maybe some bigger things eventually. I don't right. know, like that thing Josh Warren just did in Peru sounds epic. You know, it's like a day of like rock climbing and then a day of like ice climbing and mixed climbing and then a day of mountain scrambling like seems cool. But the, the, that's a different type of like screws, right? The super long Alpine routes, but it's been fun. Mostly I got into it just to like have the skill set to be able to go to the mountains, like Mm -hmm. Pakistan and be able to like go rock climbing where you, you're going to have to mix climb a little bit and ice climb a little bit and just to be proficient at it. Like it's, it's definitely not the, the the vision per se but mm-hmm. I, I don't i'm i the vision wasn't trad climbing when i started right. so yeah, who i don't who yeah. knows you yeah. know yeah how old are you 38 okay so i still got some yeah, shit you got some got gas, some in, the gas in the tank for sure yeah <laughs> all right well you know but do what you will can't, but can't, uh 
but I'd like sparkling right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're here. You're trying to do, well, yeah, kryptonite from 20 years ago. Yeah. So, Well, let me ask you this then. I mean, one of the reasons we ended up like finally really trying to get this thing done in the last couple of months was, um, was your guys' summer and, and, well, summers, multiple, it sounds like, up in, uh, in the Wind Rivers. Mm-hmm. And this, like, pretty, it sounds like a pretty special route to you guys um, that you did, you and Jesse and, mm-hmm. and some others. Um, so why don't you bring us through that story a little bit? Because um, it seems to be, you know, when you're talking about all these trends you were in, you know, heavy ethics and then gave some of those up and sport climbing, got into trad, like, this this route seems to be a bit of a final culmination of, of yeah. thinking around big roots and yeah, what it means to bit, do first ascents and things like that. Yeah, it's a bit of both. And I guess before I dive in to talking about the route, I do think that when you do a first ascent, it's a blank. I kind of view it as a blank canvas. And every first ascent is going to get approached like with a different set of paintbrushes in the sense that some, you know, you're just going to try to blast in a day and mm-hmm. minimal effort in terms of making it nice for the second ascensionist and others you're going to like put a little bit more effort in type of scenario. And I think this is one of those ones that we put like a little bit more effort in mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's less about making it safe. It's less about safe safety and danger. You, you know what I'm saying? Cause they're mm-hmm. still like run out climbing on this route for sure there's it's definitely has bolts on it but it's definitely not like you got to have your you know wits about you for sure but we also put in bolted anchors we also made it like so you can wrap certain places like we made it we hooked it up we called it all hooked up because it's like we just took the time to like to like create this like we were going ground up you know so we like really had like the first three seasons um, but not as much time as like when I say three seasons, like three seasons in the bugs was like 90 days, you know, mm-hmm. like three seasons in the winds was like 30 or 40 days, you know, like right. it wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't like trips. It's way farther back than the bugs. It's like a way, you know, it's like 16, 17 miles back in there. So we'd go in for like 10 days at a time. Um, but Jesse had the vision he'd done. A couple first ascents on the wall before, and it was the pandemic, so we weren't going anywhere. And he was like, "Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Sure, let's go." You know, like let's go. Like Jesse and I were had at the time we're living. I was living in his house, and we went, and it was just like every day it was like going to battle, going 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 to work, clocking in. We said, you know, because it's like maybe you'd put up two pitches in a day type of scenario. The first first little bit, like because it was so slow, you're just like. If you've seen photos of Mount Hooker, there's not a lot of crack systems on it. There's the occasional one. Like every three or four pitches was a splitter. So like our job was like, okay, let's weave our way to the splitters. And basically, we went ground up for 95% of the route. The final bit, I like the last day of season three, I was up there and just in aid mode just like pounding in beaks just like up this seam and i'm just like it doesn't go like i'm like it doesn't go and i fucking drilled an anchor and bailed we called it matt's mess that was like (laughs) that was like and then the next year we came in from just a little bit of a ledge below it and i found this free what what is the crux pitch around 
kind of working around what we called Matt's mess. But yeah, it was a bunch of time. Maddie Hong came out the first season and the second trip and laid a mark and put up one of the crux pitches, which was sick. But yeah, it was kind of like a fun, kind of just going going ground up, questing day by day, kind of going back to camp. So, like when you're, you know, because I've seen the pictures. I've never climbed over up there, but I've seen the pictures. Um, you know, Hayden was, you know, super yeah. involved with root, new rooting up there. And, and um, you know, Jesse finished that route that became a tribute to him. And so I've seen the videos and the, and the yeah. slideshows and all that stuff. And that rock is super compact. like Super compact. So, like, just tell me when you're like, okay, I'm going to ground up new route in the winds on this particular route. Like, what does that look like? Are you up there freeing to pounding in a pin to yeah whatever a goes bolt in off yeah of hooks like what, hooks yeah what are you doing hooks describe um, a, a one of the like getting the rope up a hard pitch before it's ever even be f- been freed or how does it look what does it look like uh depends on the scenario so yeah. like give me one if it's like five eleven you're like free climbing getting to a stance pounding in a pin placing a bolt from a stance mm-hmm. and then continuing free climb taking you know and then right. continuing free climbing. If it's really hard, like one of the harder pitches was like my pitch and it was like full fuck aid climbing, like pound beaks, like just like hammering and beaks. I was up there and it was one year, second year that we were on this pitch. It was super cold. I was in like down pants, three down jackets, gummy bears in my pockets, just like full aid climbing Larry mode, pounding in beaks to get the rope up. Right. Yeah. And hooking and stuff? Hooking and right. like, yeah. At the end, you free climb, you know, like you free climb as much as you can. And some of the pitches I would like, the, the I guess the ideal is free climbing and then obviously it's mm-hmm. free climbing. Um, it's because it's faster. Because anyway. it's faster. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> that doesn't, right? That doesn't always work. The final push ended up being like a little bit more epic than we anticipated. So going back, you're like, you're you're pushing the ropes up. You're freeing okay. what you can at, at, on the way. Getting things sorted out. Fixing lines. Fixing lines. Fic- you know what I'm saying? Like so. Yeah. So like, like season one, we fix lines. We'd get up to our high point. Season two, fix lines to the high point, and then just start again. Mm-hmm. You know, and then eventually, season three, we had the whole route established. Basically, lines are fixed. Okay, Jesse and I, you know, kind of are rehearsing pitches. There's a bunch of hard pitches on it, some mid-512, like, pure crack climbing pitches that are epic, some 513 pitches that are fully bolted that are, like, sport pitches, basically, some mixed pitches that are, like, a bit of both. Not a ton of 511 below climbing. A right. lot, lot of, like, solid climbing. And then it's time to go for it, basically, you know? And we were kind of, like, it's a 2,000-foot wall, like, 16 pitches. It was kind of... We were like, we're going to do it in two nights. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was just, I, I, I was just like, yeah, it'd be sick to do it in a day if we had time. But like time is a, like an issue with Jesse and I, like we, like Jesse has a job. I have, you know, all manage all sorts of things. And we're just like on a s- schedule, you know? So I was like, let's just like send it and do the route from the ground up, you know, call it a route. If we want to come back and do it in a day, we can come back and do it in a day. Um, so we brought portal edge out there and stashed it on the wall. And the route is kind of pretty interesting because you do a bunch of some five eleven climbing, a bunch of five twelve climbing, and then you the hard climbing starts and it's like 
you do four or five through team pitches. And then basically we put up two variations. You can go left or you can go right. And Jesse was just going to go left and I was going to go right. And we were just going to support each other because the right variation has one more crux pitch. It has a 12 C corner. And then it has like a 13 C pitch that Jesse was just like, this is you dude. Like I'm like pretty psyched on this route that we did. Like I don't have like, you know, like the fifth five thirteen pitch, like being the hardest pitch, like I'm, you should do it. And, you know, we'll call this route two variations, left hook, right hook, you know, done. The plan was, was to go to climb up, do the first two five thirteen pitches day one, which we crushed. Okay. I actually whipped off the first one and Jesse fucking flawlessly sent this pitch. It was epic. It was, it was just like perfect. And then I, I did it on top rope, but it was like, it was sick. And then I led the next 513 pitch and Jesse like kept falling. And I was like, Oh no, this is it. Like he's not going to send, you know? And it was just like Tim Kempel's up there shooting photos. And like, I'm like, I t- I'm like not even looking. Cause I like can't, I'm so stressed and, and Jesse eventually does it and it was sick and we bivvy and we're like, okay, cool. We're sending, you know, next day comes along and we send the next two pitches basically. And then it's a little late. I'm like, I try the right variation pitch and fall. And I'm like, I'm just like, I need a minute, you know, I I need, I'm just going to bivvy. I just want to do this route, whatever. It's going to take me three days. Like, I don't care. Jesse's family's like, at base camp, like waiting for him. Jesse has to go down. Campbell's gone. He actually came in for like three days to shoot us and then went to shoot Metallica, which was epic. Nice. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, fine, you can bail on us for Metallica. I just like watched this whole Edu saga on Instagram of like Edu on fucking Nameless for like 17 days by himself. I'm like, dude, I got this. I'm just going to baby in the portal edge by myself, you know, like no big deal. You know, it's a big double BD cliff cabana or whatever they're called, you know? Well, wait, hold on a second. Why are you staying? Is because he coming back? Jesse's going to come back. Oh, I see. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jesse's <laughs> like, what's going to happen after that? Yeah. yeah. Like, so Jesse's okay. going to go and spend time with the family right. and then is going to come back and support me on this next okay. this crux pitch basically. Right. Okay. Like that's like, and at least, you know, because to him, in his mind's eye, like he did, it's literally for the left variation, it's like 112A pitch and like 510 right. pitch. Like it's like, oh, it's over. It's like it's, the route's over, you know. But for the right pitch, there's this crux pitch. So I was like trying to hold my ground with this continuous ascent idea mm-hmm. because, sure, you know, I, it didn't, to me, it didn't matter how many days. I just kind of wanted to do it in a continuous ascent, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever, you know. And I was like, ah, well, you know, Edu spent 17 nights on the wall. I could spend a, a night by myself. Like, what's the big deal? Uh, the portal edge wasn't set up in a perfectly flush space of the wall. So it was like a little like lopsided, a little teeter t- teetering. And I set up the fly or I like get the fly like ready. Uh, I have dinner. I'm like, chilling i'm like oh this is sweet it like starts to rain a little bit so i put the fly down and i'm like my sleeping bag i'm like okay it starts to get windy i'm like oh this is kind of fucked but i'm like shooting instagram videos like hey like you know here i am on the ledge by myself you know just like whatever you know 
And all of a sudden, like a really strong wind came and like lifts the portal edge up and then slams it down. And I'm like, okay, like, whoa, that was like kind of fucking rowdy. Like, this is like kind of real. Like, this isn't, you know, like, huh, like if it gets any worse, like, and before I could be like, if it gets any worse, I'm like whipping out of the ledge. <laughs> like totally, like, like literally like a gust came through the ledge up, dumped me out of the ledge. I had like two double length, uh, triple length sling or something like, and whipped like shock loaded my whole system in my sleeping bag. Like, I'm just like, it's like the wind is like pounding me. I had like a 10 liter dromedary that was like fell out, but clipped in. So it was basically acting like a dead weight. So like the portal edge was like pinning me against the wall. So I'm just like in my hanging with no shoes in my sleeping bag, just getting pinned up against the wall, but I'm in the fly. So I'm like dry, you know, like I'm like, and I'm just like, fuck. I'm like, well, I'm okay. Like, I'm not getting hurt. Like, this is fine. Like, I could sleep this way if I had to. <laughs> like, I'm definitely not going to send. But like, I was like going through the like, okay, like, what do you do? Like, what, you know, like, I don't, you know. So I like eventually like put my shoes on, like put my sleeping bag away, figure out why the ledge is pinning me because this you know 10 liter dromedary is just like holding it acting as like a weight kind of get the ledge back in the right position but it's like i can't like get the i couldn't fix it like i couldn't like put it back to how it was so i ended up bailing to the ground i was just like fuck it like i'm like there's no way i'm gonna be able to go back to sleep i bail i wrap down at night in the rain it was just whatever you know you know like people like wasn't that scary i'm like no dude it's fixed lines i was like mellow and come back to jesse's tent with his wife in there with fiance with my tail between my legs and she's like are you okay man and i'm like i'm fine i was just real scared (laughs) but it's over and uh yeah ended up like it slashed rain the next day and ended up going back the day and freeing to the top like nice yeah but that was the journey it wasn't so technically like the full right variation hasn't had like a true continuous ascent ground up ascent ground up ascent yeah uh josh wharton tried which is cool him and this guy wilson i don't know wilson's last name um and they fell at that pitch Hmm. so but actually wilson tried it before with somebody else and they tried to bivy where we bivied but in the pods and the same thing happened Hmm. like he got flipped up they got like they had to bail so it's like a weird like this gets windy on that wall i think at night Mm mm-hmm I mean, the, the whole thing, like, you know, if you want to look at it arc-wise, because one thing that we sort of skipped a little bit was that in your sort of apprenticeship with Eric those days... Oh, yeah, his ethics were like... Yeah, so strict. Yeah, so strict. And... and- and you and you you know you were you were a disciple of that. Yeah. And, and lived by it. And, and partially, I think, you know, there, there was a lot of things. It sounds like the death of Johnny, like, kind of cooled cooled um eric's jets a bit and you know you guys drifted apart but you also you know started you know expanding your ideas of what ethical climbing looked like Um, yeah and and it's funny because like you know you're up there in this portal edge like trying to like 
at least cling to this one sort of like pretty <laughs> totally. standard ethic. Yeah, 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 and you're yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, fuck, I guess, I guess that one's out the window too, you know? But it's interesting because you, you, you know. I cling to it to the last moment, right. dude. I'm I mean, like, good job. I'm like, like you tried. Yeah, yeah. Portlidge pinning me. I'm like, <laughs> right. I, I could probably sleep like this, you know? Like, it's just like. It's like Eric's, you know, it's like one of those movies where there's the, the, the little like cloud in the sky yeah. and Eric's face is there. And it's like, you must stay, Padawan, and, yeah. and sleep in in the hanging sleeping bag or whatever <laughs> but no i mean and i think in my younger when i was younger i was like you had to like i i felt this need to like differentiate myself from like sport climbers and boulders right you, you know like there was very much like like kind of this need for me to like kind of be different from that and you know yeah eric's like kind of vision and I think now it, it's turned into more, it just, it, it, it kind of ebbs and flows and you kind of just got to be okay with it. It's kind of like what I was saying before about doing first sense. It's like, it's a new canvas every time. Right. There's, there's no like right or wrong as long as you are honest about it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I to mean, me, I mean, I don't chip holds. Right. Like that's kind of my line, right? Sure. Like, which that's not other people's lines. That's why I don't develop routes in the Western slope. Cause it's like Colorado, but another regional thing here, but it's like, you got to fucking glue the whole wall together to like right. make a route. I, I, I'm good. I love climbing on those routes and I'm thankful for the artists and construction workers out there that make them climbable for me, but that's not for me right. to do, you know? Um, yeah, but I mean, I think, uh, you know, a, a staunch, a more staunch guy. Or I person, wouldn't even climb on chip right, routes back in the day. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that was a thing. Right. Yeah, that was that was a thing. Yeah. Like, I never climbed in rifle. Like, I'm I'm a rifle newbie. Like, yeah. just, just been the last couple of years that I've started climbing in rifle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, like, I, I, the thing that I, I see, and we could, you know, we'll just wrap this up, but is that, you know, whatever whatever caused you to to go into that mentality, you know, work with it, use it, live by it, and then move on. It was inevitable to my, it, I mean, because I just am looking at your career as this person who was, you know, it's always moving. It's always changing. It's always moving and changing. Yeah. And yeah. so you were never going to be the guy that was 60 and still I think ground up in bolts. You the, know. If, if I could go back in time, I would just be a little less staunch. Well, about yeah, those things. Like, yeah, I mean, we, you know we, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I would just have been, you know, right. I still would want, I'm glad I had them at the time, but I would right. have just maybe been a bit quieter. Well, the thing is, is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it, it's it sort of comes, at least in that era, you know, and it was kind of like, it was the end of, of that by and that. large. Yeah. And so, you know, those things go out with a, they don't go out with a whimper. They go out with like, the last people like clinging to it hard and you were one of them and Eric yeah. was one of them. And so I think it's natural. Plus you were in Boulder. I mean, that's always been famous for this clashing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like forgiving you to a certain extent. <laughs> you're, you know, you're sort of pain in the assness about yeah. how rad you were and how lame everybody else was. But it just came with that territory. I mean, I was there. Uh, I think I, it's going to come back. In Aldo. I think it's yeah. going to come back around. Oh yeah. What I do, do you mean? Like you're going to become a dickhead? No. And, you know? <laughs> Not for me. My, I'm, 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 I'm not. You're going to go up and chop your own root? <laughs> Ground up. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think that we're going to start seeing 
and we've seen it slowly, like LCAP, for example, like there's a period of time where you just wrapped into LCAP and tried right. pitches and that, right. that's the norm. And that's still how a lot of people climb LCAP. But I think we're going to start seeing people go ground up more and more because there are people that do that, you know, mm-hmm. and do these hard routes in a push like from the ground. And I think people are going to get stronger and stronger and better and better and that that's going to be the differentiator. Yeah, for sure. And that's what's happening. You know, yeah. you know, to refer back again to the this woman Amity that I talked yeah. to, you know, she's she's yeah. she's like, yeah. And and that, you know, again in that day where everybody crushed those yeah. cracks in the creek like it takes this evolution and and it's not that people will stop doing it. It's just going to be another it's just going to be sort of another gradient of like style. Can we just say one thing too cuz yeah. I've never met this kid but like Connor yeah, Connor. Yeah. Except for he, yeah, Connor Herson, yeah. Yeah, but he's got his foot in the old school, dude. Yeah, but that kid is rat. That kid's the f- that kid is rat. Yeah. Like if someone's like who's who are you inspired by climbing? I'm like him. Yeah. Like that is like he's like so impressive. Yeah. Again, but, I've never met him, so yeah. I'm like this is like I'm just like going off yeah. of like But it's funny because they have a, he has a foot in the old school. Yeah. Um, I I mean, so I, he'll be, I, was, I, I, yeah. I assume that like, yeah, from it's funny what I've seen he's done and accomplished, but right. I mean, the kid's like super strong and likes to climb on gear. It's yeah. cool. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know, you're a thoughtful person. You mature leaps and bounds from, I mean, as you've gone along, you know, what do you think sort of your, I guess your compass is, I mean, with climbing it, you know, we just talked about this adaptability um, is that something you think about? Or are you sort of seat of the pants kind of guy? Like, oh, this opportunity has appeared. You know, sort of like what's guiding like the things you choose to do now. You know, you look back on your career and and where you are now. Like, what what guides you to choose an adventure one versus adventure two or A or B or? You kind of stumped me a little bit, which is like I don't know, but <laughs> I, I think the the biggest compass for me doesn't have anything to do with what the adventure is but it's who it's with like ultimately for me it's like nowadays it's like i have big adventures that i want to go on but i will not go if i can't go with my people Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna like call up some randos and like be like yo you're a good climber come with me to do this you know it's like i don't have time for that like i plan on like spending time in the mountains with my homies that like I know really well that know me really well. And I would say that's the main compass is, is people and everything else is swayable. If Jesse's like, dude, let's go climb this crazy ice route in, in Canada. Like, I think you can do it. I'd be like, sure. Not, maybe not like my personal compass, but I'm like, well, my homie who I trust with my life and is going to would do the same for me wants my support yeah let's go you know if will's like i want to go to india or pakistan i'm like okay let's go you know like so i i think i think adventure is the compass and the people that i go on them with is the compass but it's less about ethics and it's less about climbing names and grades it's always about pushing myself personally and that's what was hard about like losing. It's always what's hard about losing close climbing partners is it's always been so much about the partnerships. You know, like if it was some random dude, like there's no way I would have spent 
five seasons in the bug booth, you know, or three seasons like on Mount Hooker, you know, like I'm not driven enough purely for rock climbing to, to dedicate that amount of time. It's like the partnerships and the stories and the, you know, like the fun times in between the actual climbing that really matters. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Matt for sitting down. It was nice to touch base with him after a long time trying to get this going. I don't think he sent kryptonite yet. He's kind of getting screwed by the weather this year on the western slope. So as of uh, January 16th, I don't think it's gone down. I don't know. It's getting kind of hosed, but we'll see what happens. Another thing I'd like to mention is that we never really even got to a, a big event in Matt's life. A few years ago, he crashed paraglider when he was trying to get into that and uh, really fucked himself up pretty good. So all this stuff about Hooker and all these other things are post-recovery from a lot of broken bones, near-death experience. He's talked about a lot on other podcasts, so we just kind of never got to it. But you can find him over at The Nugget, I think, um, a few other places where he talks about that accident. It's pretty wild. If you want to support Matt, other than just following him on social media, you can go to alpinestartfoods.com, where he has created a delicious instant coffee out of his own need to have coffee that didn't suck out in the wild, something that he can brew up really quickly and that tastes great. So check that out. They also sell matcha. I have no idea what matcha is. Sounds like something they only drink in Boulder. So if you're into matcha, they've got instant matcha too, as if there's any other kind. Also, Matt's a bit of a gourmand and uh, created this Brine Magazine project that's available there as well. If you're into food, if you're into cooking really well outside and in conjunction with your climbing, Brian is a pretty interesting project. Check that out as well. Cool. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And when you do drop off that hangboard after crimping and dragging and half crimping and half drag crimping and your intervals, your three on, your seven off, your max hangs, your weighted hangs, don't forget to check your knots. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Okay, just calm down. What the hell are we doing here, Harry? We gotta get out of this town. Yeah, and go where? Where are we gonna go? I'll tell you where. Someplace warm. A place where the beer flows like wine. Where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm talking about a little place called Ass.